Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This podcast contains violence, adult themes, and material that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. True North True Crime is produced on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. In 2002, a young woman's body was found in a suitcase near Mission, British Columbia, Canada. She was a long way from home. The 20-year-old woman had only been in Canada for a few months on an international student visa. Her family would find themselves caught between two governments and two judicial systems, but they never asked for this. All they asked for was justice for their daughter. Tonight, we present the story of Amanda Zhao, and you are listening to True North True Crime. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of True North True Crime. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank some folks for buying us coffee this week. So a big thank you to Heather, Nadine, Jen, Kimberly G, Louise Rickshaw, Valer, Kimberly, and Carrie G. True North True Crime is an independent podcast bringing attention to missing and murdered persons in Canada. If you would like to donate to the podcast, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash tntcpod. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want to help us in another way, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or just tell a friend about True North True Crime. So let's get into tonight's episode. So tonight we are talking about the 2002 murder of Amanda Zhao. That's Z-H-A-O. Amanda was reported missing on October 10th, 2002. Tragically, her body would be found on October 20th, 2002, near Mission, British Columbia. This case kicked off an international controversy between the Canadian justice system and the Chinese high court. Lost in all of the politics and posturing was the victim, Amanda Zhao. We put this episode together using publicly available court documents and news articles. 
This case takes place in the Metro Vancouver area, specifically in Burnaby, British Columbia. Burnaby is a city that is connected to Vancouver. Burnaby sits on the traditional territories of the Coast Salish nations. Burnaby is a pretty safe place in most areas. The area is home to many international schools and Simon Fraser University. Public transportation options are plentiful with easy access to the city of Vancouver with the SkyTrain system. For international students from Asia, Burnaby can feel like a second home with a large amount of Asian-owned restaurants, shops, and grocery stores that serve the diverse communities of that area. Amanda Zhao was born in China in 1981. Her given name is Zhao Wei. However, she is often referred to in the media as Amanda Zhao or Amanda Zhao Wei. Amanda did not come from a wealthy family. However, her family did work hard to use the savings that they had to send Amanda to Canada for her post-secondary education. Her family has referred to her as their dream. She was their only daughter, and they wanted her to have the best in life. And from what we understand, Amanda wanted to make her parents proud of her and to be the first in her family to achieve a high level of education. It was Amanda's dream that her education could help lift her family out of poverty. So when she turned 19, she spent months convincing her family to let her study outside of China. The family chose Canada, specifically British Columbia. BC is known for its many international schools. The province is considered a safe place for international students and offers a great education through private or publicly funded post-secondary schools. British Columbia is home to an average of 150,000 international students at any given year. Amanda arrived in Canada for her studies in 2001. It has been widely reported in the media that she attended an English college in Coquitlam. However, court documents state that she was enrolled at Simon Fraser University, located in Burnaby, British Columbia. It is possible that she attended both schools, one to further her English skills and the other to achieve her degree. While Amanda was attending college, she met a young 18-year-old man named Ang Lee. Ang Lee was also born in China and came from a very influential family. In fact, his father is an army scientist and his mother is a retired bureaucrat in Beijing. Ang Lee was enrolled at Simon Fraser University in computer sciences. He also arrived in British Columbia in 2001. Ang Lee lived in a Burnaby apartment with his cousin, 19-year-old Han Zhang, that's Z-H-A-N-G. The two cousins had grown up together in the same household in China. So Amanda and Ang Lee would start out as friends. However, the relationship would move quite quickly and the two would start a romantic relationship. In July of 2002, Amanda would move in with Lee and his cousin Zhang. The three of them shared a basement suite on Sherlock Avenue in Burnaby, which is about a five-minute drive to Simon Fraser University or a 20-minute bus ride. Details about Amanda's life inside the basement suite are hard to come by, and so are details about her relationship with Ang Lee. Things would take a dark turn on October 10th, 2002 at 9.36 a.m. Ang Lee, Amanda's boyfriend, contacted the Burnaby RCMP to report Amanda as a missing person. He would tell the police that Amanda had gone to the store late on the evening on October 9th to buy cooking oil at a local Safeway. The Safeway was about a 23-minute walk from the residence that they were living at at the time. 
Ang Lee said that she had not returned. He would initially speak with the RCMP and say that he felt bad and that he should have escorted Amanda to the Safeway that evening. Then, on October 20th, 2002, on the outskirts of Mission, British Columbia, hikers would come across a suitcase in the forest. Inside the suitcase, they would find the remains of Amanda Zhao. Her body was found in a wooded area near Stave Lake, a full two-hour drive from her Burnaby home. An autopsy would later reveal that Amanda had died of strangulation. The evidence of strangulation included damage to her neck area that would indicate prolonged pressure, most likely occurring with the use of hands. As with many cases like this, investigators would look at lifestyle factors that may have contributed to Amanda's murder. And there weren't any. Amanda lived with two people in a safe area. She did not have a high-risk lifestyle. She hung out with friends, she hung out at home, and she went to school. The only reasonable explanation would be that her boyfriend, Ang Lee, had something to do with her murder. So he became their prime suspect. According to court documents, Ang Lee was interviewed by the RCMP multiple times with regards to Amanda's disappearance and her murder. Then, shockingly, on October 23, 2002, just three days after Amanda's body was discovered, Ang Lee boarded a plane to China and left Canada. This presented some pretty big problems because Canada and China do not have an extradition treaty, meaning that no matter what the offense, China will not send one of its citizens back to Canada to face justice. Making matters even more difficult is that China has the death penalty. Canada does not have the death penalty, which means that Canada will not share information with Chinese authorities if there is a chance that the person could be executed. So we have the government of China that won't send Ang Lee back to Canada, and we have the Canadian government that will not share evidence with China that could help to convict Ang Lee. However, in May of 2003, the RCMP would issue a warrant for Ang Lee's arrest in connection to the murder of Amanda Zhao. The charge on the warrant was second-degree murder. This warrant issued in absentia was not enforceable in any way in China. However, it was confirmed that the Beijing police did interview Ang Lee in February of 2004. When Ang Lee left for China, he left behind his cousin, Han Zhang. Han would be brought into the RCMP detachment multiple times for questioning. He was questioned by the RCMP on October 21st, 22nd, and 24th of 2002. In those interviews, he misdirected the police and claimed he did not know what happened to Amanda. In one of these interviews, he claimed that he and Ang Lee had looked for Amanda at the Safeway. However, video surveillance at the Safeway proved that they had not been near the Safeway at all. So then, on November 30th, 2002, Han was interviewed again by the RCMP for five and a half hours. The interview lasted from 10.20 a.m. to 3.53 p.m. There was also a 28-minute lunch break. After the break, the investigators applied more pressure to Han. During the course of this interview, he confessed that his previous statements to the police were not true. That, in fact, he knew Ang Lee had killed Amanda and that he had assisted in both the hiding of her body and in telling the police an untruthful story. 
All of these interviews were conducted in Mandarin. However, there was no lawyer present. There was another interview that evening around 6 o'clock. This time, Han had spoken with a lawyer on the phone. During this interview, the majority of Han's time was spent asking the investigators for legal advice, specifically about what kind of punishment he could receive. Han would be arrested that evening for the murder of Amanda. He would then be placed into a holding cell. Inside of that holding cell was an undercover RCMP officer. While in the cell, Han would engage in conversation with the undercover officer. Han eventually said that he was under arrest for murder and stated, quote, My cousin killed a girl, and then he went back to China. The undercover officer simply responded, Oh, Han then said he had originally mistold the police, but then when he was arrested, he told them the truth. Not long after that, it appeared to the undercover that Han went to sleep. The next conversation they had was the next morning at around 8.45 a.m. Again, they had a general conversation. Han asked what punishment the cellmate thought he might get. After the discussions about punishment, Han stated that his cousin had killed a girl and that he had helped. He quickly added that he did not help kill the girl, but he helped after. The conversation then turned to other matters. At 8.50 that same night, the undercover was again placed in the cell with Han. At that time, Han told him that his cousin, Ang Lee, had asked him to lie, that he was supposed to tell the police that he had last seen Amanda on her way to the Safeway to get cooking oil. Han stated that this was not true, as at that time, Amanda was already dead. On December 1st, 2002, the RCMP would take Han to where Amanda's body was found. There he would reenact how he and Ang Lee had disposed of Amanda's body. During this reenactment, he would make additional statements of guilt. Han would not be charged for the murder of Amanda Zhao. However, he would plead guilty to being an accessory after the fact. Han's lawyers would appeal the conviction on the grounds that his statements to police were inadmissible. They would argue that Han was taken advantage of by the investigators during his interrogation on November 30th. Essentially, his lawyers would state that the first half of the interview was fine, but after that 28-minute lunch break during the interrogation, they believed that the police shifted tactics and took advantage of Han and his lack of understanding of the Canadian justice system. And a judge would agree. On June 10, 2004, a B.C. Supreme Court judge would rule that all of Han's statements after the lunch break were inadmissible. Due to the fruit of the poison tree concept, this would also make his statements to the undercover officer inadmissible. This would also make his reenactment from December 1st inadmissible and any statements that he made that day. Essentially, all of the statements that he made that incriminated himself were withdrawn from the evidence pool. This would render any further prosecution against Han useless. Han would be released. And like his cousin Ang Lee, Han would return to China a free person. But this story is not over yet. We are going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And we are back. So before the break, we outlined the Amanda Zhao case between October 10th, 2002, when she was reported missing, and the events leading up to Ang Lee escaping to China in 2002, followed by Han Zhang going to China in 2004. We also highlighted the political stalemate that China and Canada found themselves in. On one hand, Canada will not aid China in an investigation where the death penalty is on the table. And on the other hand, China will not extradite its citizens to Canada to be prosecuted in the Canadian justice system. Due to this political and ethical stance, the RCMP was not allowed to share its evidence with the Chinese authorities. This long stall between nations created a political tension that simmered behind the scenes in Canada-China relations. At the federal level, this file was being handled by the Minister of Multiculturalism and Citizenship, Jason Kenney. On a provincial level, in British Columbia, some very well-intentioned politicians became involved in this case in an attempt to find justice for Amanda's family. Most notably, NDP members Jenny Kwan, Mike Farnsworth, and Gabriel Yu did an exceptional job of supporting Amanda's family on their quest for justice. Some good news would come in early 2004. Ang Lee would be arrested in China for the murder of Amanda Zhao. But Ang Lee would be released months later due to a lack of evidence. Adding to the difficulties that Amanda Zhao's family were dealing with, their home was demolished by the Chinese government to make way for the Beijing Olympics. They were a poor family that was seemingly fighting with two powerful governments to help them to find justice for their daughter. Years would go by without a resolution to this case. Years of Amanda's family writing letters to governments, journalists, and nonprofits asking for help. One of those letters was sent in 2007 and stated the following. Greetings to the head of Canada Department of Justice. I am Amanda Zhao's mother. I am extremely outraged at your cold-bloodedness and remorselessness and your non-interest, no-sincerity approach to apprehending the murderer. We lost our only daughter. Five years are gone and justice still isn't served. Is this fair? The two old people are still in extreme pain, so painful that we don't want to live on. Every day is torture. If the same thing happened to you, 
Would you be able to take it? I beg you, tell us your timeline or agenda on this case so that at least we know something. Don't let us wait, wait, wait forever. There should be an end to that wait. The days of our lives are numbered, and if you don't bring justice to my daughter, we will not die in peace. Please stop pressing for some unreasonable requests. So many years have passed, and there is no excuse for you to not finish this case. China, Canada, cooperation to catch and punish the criminal is our common goal. Please reply to us as soon as possible. Eventually, NDP members Jenny Kwan and Mike Farnworth began to work on inviting Amanda's family to Canada. They issued a formal invitation so that visas could be processed quickly. Jenny Kwan and Mike Farnworth even paid for their visa application fees after learning that the Zhao's could not make a payment themselves. Jason Kenney said he was also prepared to meet with the Zhao's and arrange with them to meet with other high-level officials who would now become acutely aware of their plight. In October of 2008, a full six years after Amanda was discovered, her family arrived in Canada, hoping to be heard. And something must have worked. In 2009, news broke that the Canadian government had agreed to share its evidence with the Chinese courts. The agreement was struck when China acquiesced and took the death penalty off the table as punishment. In October of 2009, China announced that Ang Li and Han Zhang had been arrested for the murder of Amanda Zhao. In fact, they had been arrested months before the announcement. Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper would state that he hoped Zhao's family would be comforted to know that the suspects were in custody and that there are multiple steps to ultimately have a trial and determine guilt or innocence but that Canada is committed to working with our Chinese counterparts to resolve this issue and get a conviction of those who are responsible. News of the arrest created a sense of renewed justice for the Zhao family. But for Ang Lee's family, it created outrage. They went to the media and wherever they could to claim that Ang Lee was tortured while in the custody of the Beijing police. They also claimed that any trial he would face in China would be completely unfair. Ironically, they claimed that they would prefer that he had been tried in British Columbia, where they believed he would receive a fair trial. Keep in mind, there was an option for Ang Lee to be tried in British Columbia, but instead, he chose to escape to China. His family could have also chosen to escort him back to Canada at any point in the seven years that he was a free man in China, but they chose not to. Li's mother would actually deny that he fled to China. She states that his visa was ending at the end of October 2002, so he chose to leave, days after his girlfriend was murdered. Trials in China can move at lightning speed and often only last a day or two. Chinese courts have a 99% conviction rate, and the verdicts come very quickly after all the evidence is heard. This case was not like that at all. First of all, all of the charges were dropped against Han Zhang. He was released. However, he did spend at least a year or two in prison awaiting trial. During that time, though, Han gave a full confession to the Chinese authorities, to being an accessory after the fact, much like he did in Canada. Because of this confession, finally, in 2011, two full years after Ang Lee was arrested in China, he would stand trial for the murder 
of Amanda Zhao. His trial would last one day. Details of the trial are obviously hard to come by, as the trial took place in China behind closed doors, but we have been able to figure a few things out. First of all, the prosecution would use some of the RCMP evidence. This would also include the autopsy that showed that there were clear marks on Amanda's neck indicating prolonged strangulation. Prosecutors would also present three different confessions that Ang Lee had made, including one shortly after his arrest in 2009. Prosecutors would also use evidence presented by Han Zhang's confession. His confession included the facts that Amanda's body had remained in the apartment for 24 hours and that Ang Lee had woken up Han to tell him that he had killed Amanda. Han stated that he could see her clothed body in the bedroom as he looked in from the hallway. It was after this that the men hatched the plan to move her body. So they placed Amanda into a suitcase and into Ang Lee's car. Han did not drive while he lived in British Columbia. The two men drove over 100 kilometers to Stave Lake near Mission, British Columbia to dispose of her body in the woods. They then drove 100 kilometers back to Burnaby and created their alibi and story. This is when they created the false narrative that Amanda had gone to Safeway to buy cooking oil. On Thursday, October 10th, 2002, at 9.30 a.m., they reported Amanda as a missing person. Ang Lee's defense was that he and Amanda were playing with some pillows, and then she died. So after the one-day trial, the court would deliberate on what their verdict would be. If Ang Lee was found guilty, they would also have to decide on a suitable prison sentence, keeping in mind that the death penalty is off the table. This verdict would take well over a year to come to. This is a very long time for a verdict in China. Chinese courts are legally required to announce their verdict within a month of being presented a case by the prosecution. Experts on Chinese affairs stated that such a long delay usually means an inability of the relevant leaders to agree on the outcome. This occurs in politically sensitive cases. The court in these circumstances simply waits for the political powers that be to instruct it about the severity of the sentence. Normally, guilt is not the issue. But if the family's wealth and influence are significant, and if the family maneuvers to use those things, even guilt could be in question. Then, in September 2012, 10 years after Amanda Zhao's death, the court would come to its decision. Here is a clip from Catherine Mercier from CBC News. It has been a long road to justice for the family of Amanda Zhao. She was a young student from China who was murdered in Burnaby 10 years ago. Well, now, after years of delay, her killer has been sentenced to life. Catherine Mercier has more from Beijing. A small victory years after an immense loss. The family of Amanda Zhao expressed satisfaction today after her boyfriend was sentenced to life in prison. But it was a small consolation. She'll never be by my side. I'll never hear her voice again, said her mother. An only child, Amanda Zhao was the hope of her family. Her parents spent their life savings to send her to college in Canada. 
Ang Lee, her boyfriend, who has since changed his name to Li Jiaming, returned to China before the RCMP could lay charges against him. In 2009, Li was finally arrested in China, but it took three more years for a verdict to be reached. Li's mother was overcome with emotions today. She claimed the evidence used against her son was fabricated and the Chinese police mistreated him. They've used testimony obtained under torture, she said. While Amanda Zhao's family celebrates the conviction, the case may not be over. In spite of the verdict, Li Jiaming's family insists he is not guilty. They want his name cleared and they plan to appeal. Catherine Mercier, CBC News, Beijing. So, as you heard in that report, Ang Lee, who has changed his name to Jiaming Lee, was convicted of intentional homicide and sentenced to life in prison. This sentence was met with a sense of justice for the Zhao family. But the Lee family vowed to continue to fight the conviction through the appeals process while Ang Lee served his time in prison. Ang Lee's parents filed their appeal immediately after the conviction. Normally, the appeals process in China would take a matter of months. But again, there is nothing normal about this case. For reasons still unclear, this appeal took two years to be ruled on. And sadly, the result would not be the news that the Zhao family had hoped for. Ang Li would have his sentence reduced to just seven years from life imprisonment after a Chinese court changed the verdict from murder to manslaughter. The high court in Beijing found the evidence did not substantiate a first-degree murder charge, according to a 30-page ruling. The ruling shows that while the appeal court found Ang Lee did kill Amanda, the judges appear to have taken into consideration the fact that the pair were boyfriend and girlfriend and a pillow fight had gone awry in determining whether there was intent to murder. They came to this decision without any new evidence being presented. This was obviously devastating news to Amanda's family. It's been 12 years since they lost their daughter, but the agony for Amanda Zhao's family is far from over. Her father spoke outside the High People's Court, calling for the death penalty, a life for a life, after the man who killed his daughter had his first-degree murder conviction changed to manslaughter and his sentence reduced to seven years. Lee's mother told CTV, for us, our son is still convicted, but the key is that he's innocent. The NDP says Zhao's family had concerns about the fairness of the legal process, noting Lee's father is a high-ranking military official. In a statement, Zhao's mother says, the ruling abundantly represents that the law can be bought with power or money in China. Zhao's mother says the family will continue to seek justice, but it appears they have run out of legal options to dispute the high court ruling. With time served, Lee is expected to be released on June 27th of 2016. Maria Weisgarber, CTV News, Vancouver. The Zhao family had always feared that the power and influence of the Lee family would eventually affect the trial, and it seems that they were right. The Zhao family reported an odd occurrence in the courtroom the day the appeal was decided. The Zhao stated that a military official, who they believed to be the boss of Ang Lee's father, was present in the courtroom during the appeal. This is unusual because normally trials in China are closed to the public and restricted to only family members. So who was this military official? Was he a friend of the Li family? Why was he sitting 
in uniform in the courtroom, and did his presence affect the decision? On June 30, 2014, the Zhao family would release the following statement. Our daughter, Amanda Zhao, was murdered 12 years ago. She would have been 31 years old if she was still alive. It has been a very long and arduous journey of pursuing justice in the past 12 years. The ruling of the Beijing No. 1 Intermediate People's Court made us feel that the law was fair and just. However, the ruling of the Beijing High People's Court is unacceptable for us. The sentence of this criminal, who was issued an arrest warrant in Canada, has been downgraded from life imprisonment to seven years in jail without any new evidence in China. A rapist can be sentenced to 10 years in China, not to mention a murderer. We neither understand nor accept the ruling. The ruling changes our opinion about the fairness of the law. The ruling abundantly represents that the law can be bought with power or money in China. We have no choice but to question the law in China. We will not stand by waiting for them to undermine the law in China. We will continue our very long and arduous journey of pursuing justice. We are grateful to MLAs Jenny Kwan and Mike Farnworth and Mr. Gabriel Yu. We are grateful to our media friends who have kept us company over the past 12 years. And thank you to all of the friends who have cared and helped us. We hope that you will continue paying close attention and helping us. Thank you. The Zhao family have displayed incredible bravery throughout this traumatic ordeal. Losing their daughter is unimaginable. And speaking out so powerfully against any government is difficult and has its risks. In 2016, Ang Lee left jail a free man, having served less than seven years for the murder of Amanda Zhao. Today, he is a 37-year-old man living his life. His cousin, Han Zhang, served less than two years as an accessory to murder. Behind closed doors, the RCMP issued an apology to the Zhang family. They apologized first for not doing enough to stop Ang Lee from leaving Canada and flying to China. They also apologized for the interrogation issues that led to Han Zhang's conviction being overturned. A lot has changed in Canadian politics since then, but much has remained the same. In 2015, Stephen Harper lost the election to Justin Trudeau, who remains the Prime Minister today. Today, Jason Kenney is no longer a federal cabinet minister. In fact, he is now the Premier of Alberta. Mike Farnworth is now the Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General of British Columbia. And after a long and successful career as an advocate and provincial and civic politician, Jenny Kwan ran in the federal election in 2015, 2019, and 2020, winning each time. She has been appointed as her party's critic for immigration, refugees, and citizenship. But tensions are still there when it comes to Canada's relationship with China, especially when it involves the justice system. Just last week, Canada ended a three-year stalemate with China by releasing Meng Wanzhou. In return, China released two Canadians, Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig, who were being held in prison in China. Our hearts go out to Amanda Zhao's family. They fought a brave fight against a wealthy family while stuck in legal purgatory between two giant governments. 
All they wanted was justice for their daughter and for a murderer to pay for what he did. In 2021, Amanda Zhao would be 40 years old. We will never know how she could have helped her family and her community. We want to thank you all for joining us and for continuing to listen to True North True Crime. Again, if you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, hit the subscribe button, or follow us on Spotify. Our producers on the podcast are Lisa Marie, Amy's Book Reviews, Thomas E., Susan S., Alex and Andrea P., Kennedy, Alberta, Cindy McD., Blair M., Alyssa Santos, CJ Jeze, Anastasia, Ariel E., Melanie E., Kelly D., Carolyn M., Emily L., Jason D., Jimmy H., Tiffany C., Keith R., Mari M., Lorena, Queen Nebula, Maureen, Jesse D. R., Louise Rickshaw, and the Missing and Unexplained podcast. We will be back soon with a new episode, so until then, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.